And he said that we were number two on his list. Nice. What a legend. Yeah. So we are top three on someone's uh, list. You know the guy? No. What a top bloke. Welcome back. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. And I get to see these two gentlemen's beautiful, lovely faces because we're all back together again. You want to say hi, guys? Good evening. Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah. And we've already, we've already recorded the pod. What did we talk about? 2022 preview. <laughs> Sounds exciting, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys should check it out. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Yeah, listen, some people enjoy podcasts for uh, the camaraderie, the spirit. I will say we fucked up in our last pod. <laughs> uh, did, did you listen to us at all? I listened to a little bit. I didn't finish it. I don't think well, I, I listened back to our podcast. Yeah, so among the things that we got wrong uh, was basically everything Clippers related. So you can tell we really lean <laughs> on you. Uh, you you said that Paul George was out for the season. He's out for like a month. Well, the Clippers have said that he may be out for the for the season. Um, but we were like, yeah, Kawhi, you know, he's upcoming free agency. And uh, he, he signed his extension <laughs> before yeah. the season. <laughs> Yeah, so it was uh, it was <laughs> oh, no. not the best. <laughs> oh no! You know, sometimes you just get into it, and you're in the weeds, and then you have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we've all got to be together to um cover all the bases. Yeah, I looked at all your topic uh, suggestions, and I prepped an answer for most of them. Nice, dope. I have like names written down. Nice, I love <laughs> it. And and like always, I didn't prep anything, but um, once we start talking, I'll think of something. Let's start that conversation. But hey, Nico, what were your thoughts on uh, Draymond's list? No, I just asked if you have seen it because I was going to ask you um, if you could if you could guess the list. Oh, yeah. Well, who would be your top? Who would be your top five defenders of all time? Yeah, I mean, I think Hakeem should be in there for sure. I like Tony Allen uh, mentioned on the on, on the top five. Would you go for Draymond or, or uh, Ben Wallace on like a top five list? Is Draymond up there? I have Draymond on there. I, I really appreciate his defensive versatility and switching. Yeah, Ben was fantastic at guarding like the true big men, um, like like a Shaq. But he also didn't have to do that night in night out. Like by the time him, he was really getting his defensive props. There weren't that many great defensive or that. Oh, and yeah. I'd have Draymond as like the most versatile switchy defender. Yeah, I mean, then there might be a case for Michael Jordan. He, he won a lot of defensive play of the year awards. Yeah. But wasn't he a better defender than Tony Allen or Gary Payton? Maybe not. I don't know. Ah, uh, maybe maybe Allen, but Payton was Payton was real good. And like, isn't there a guy leading the uh, steals category? Stockton, right? Yeah, but steals are a terrible indication of defensive ability. Like yeah, but he was, he was still Iverson a guy. Top five. Yeah, that's yeah. I see your point, but like he's still <laughs> a guy. He's still a guy who uh, have a reputation for being very tough. Yeah, remember the guy that put Drummond as his defensive player of the year because he got a lot of rebounds? If he was making the top five of us, he'd be like, now John Stockton, he gets the most steals. Yeah. Top five oh. defender. Man, did you, uh, Dylan, you you probably have at least looked at this, but did you get Seth Partnow's book? No, I haven't got it. I well, saw that you me, got it, though. How is it? Yeah, let me preview chapter one, because um, it's really interesting where he's like, 
kind of breaking down, you know, hey, Brooke Lopez, awesome signing for us. And like, mm. is it because we knew something we didn't or was it, you know, why? And he's kind of like, well, hey, the Lakers tried to use Brooke Lopez to get up on screeners and really like push guards out farther uh, in the same way that the Bulls had used Joakim Noah or the Celtics used Kevin Ingarnett. And like the, the numbers on that are just horrific. They're absolutely terrible. But if you have him defend the rim and just like drop back in that drop coverage, he actually has really good numbers. And so that like that was one metric they looked at. Um, and then the second metric they looked at was that he was a terrible defensive rebounder. Um, he's kind of like the, an, an inverse Andre Drummond, mm. where Drummond gets a lot of rebounds, but the number of or the share of the rebounds yeah, that, like that his the, team yeah, the, gets. The team's def- defensive rebounding isn't better. Yeah. Like Drummond just goes for the rebound and he gets them or he doesn't, but he doesn't like help the team get at the rebounds by keeping other mm. guys off of them. And they found that the inverse was true of Lopez. Lopez was mm. like in the 40th percentile for like defensive rebounds as a big, um, but he was in like the 90th percentile for his team's rebounds when he was on the floor uh, because yeah. he did a good job of like keeping other people yeah, away good from box them. Out guy. Yeah. Uh, and it just, you know, I'm, I'm a couple chapters in, but it's been really fun and fascinating to kind of look at some of the metrics that teams are using to make these decisions that, you know, I, I don't have access to, but would love mm. to know more about. Yeah. I mean, I think of like, any of sort of the recent basketball books like that would be the one that i don't know would give you just like a totally different perspective from the analytics side mm-hmm. just like a good understanding of like what analytics actually is which is why the mid-range theory is like a great name for it because everyone's like you know oh analytics says don't take mid-ranges he's like well let me explain what analytics actually is yeah i can't i can't imagine they'll be able to buy it anywhere like in a store so maybe i'll have to buy it online at one point I'm going to try to bring back like an update every week or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe pace myself reading through it and be like, hey, we mm-hmm. saw this thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just just kind of an interesting look uh, and thought of their coach wanting to play a drop defensive big, big style. And so he's like, well, who are who are the best drop defensive bigs? Uh, and it was like, oh, Brooke Lopez is out there and he's really cheap. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I it's like goes to say, hey, taking Portland, for example, you know, Billups wants to play this aggressive hedge out, like yeah. try to trap system, yeah. which Larry Nance was good at. But it kind of makes you think, like, does he know that Robert Covington's not good at it? And does he, like he does he have the analytics on it? And just, yeah, could be an interesting thought. Yeah, he sort of made some like really weird decisions. And like, it's like he didn't know his personnel. So like he started out with like aggressive, like switching and like mm-hmm. with like and then you got like two small guards powell who's undersized as a three so can't switch down and then covington who's like a great help defender but not very good at on ball and he's like this would be a great team to switch and then nurkic who's like a drop big and then that was a disaster so then he goes for like the aggressive blitzing on the pick and roll where like he has nurkic come all the way up and defend at the point of attack which is also a disaster like they're like the worst pick and roll defense in the league. It's like Nurkic is like a really big, solid guy that you can't just like go through. Like just have him drop back. Yeah. But with all that to say, Dylan, do you have a top five defensive all time guys? What would be your uh, your lineup? Um, this season actually is kind of like changing my perspective on on historical defenses. So like up until this year, I've been off the belief that like guard or like even like wing defense is like super overrated because like there's only so much that one player can do to affect the team's defense whereas like 
a center affects like all five guys. And so whenever people will be like, oh, you know, Drew Holiday is the best defensive player in the league. It's like, okay, well, Drew Holiday, like, can, you know, stop one guy, maybe reduce one guy's field goal percentage by 10%, whereas, like, Rudy Gobert stops the entire team from even attempting layups, which are the most eff- effective shot and will cause them to, to miss at a, at a greater rate. Um, but with, like, some of the stuff that we're seeing, especially around, like, like Chicago is a great example, which I think we've talked about on here before. Of just like the impact that Ball and Caruso are able to have as on guy, as on ball, and as help guys. But like their their on ball defense actually is super valuable and affecting the Bulls defense as a whole, um, which I don't think was possible for on ball guys. But now with the you know the the, the rule changes, it's easier to defend one on one, and so those guys are having more impact. And you know that just sort of brings into question well. This isn't a, a new thing. It's sort of you know more regressing to an older style of of play, you know, bringing back hand checking and and some physicality. Um, and so, if that is the case, then the the you know those great on ball defenders that I thought maybe had been overrated because I didn't think on ball defense was that valuable. Well, maybe it was in the past when you know physicality and hand checking and all that sort of stuff's going on. That is a beautiful non answer. <laughs> well, well yeah. that's that's to say that uh, like my my all my um you know my general idea of who i would have thought were like the best defensive players of all time um maybe needs to be reassessed because the value of on-ball defense um that i didn't think was that high is being brought into question all right then i'm just gonna give you both defensive archetypes apes uh give me a guy yeah. to pressure the ball you know 94 feet you know thinking sm- Thinking a guard here, uh, but who's your ultimate, you know, point of attack stopper? Doesn't necessarily have to be a guard. Nico, I guess Gary Payson would be a pretty good answer. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, perfect. All right, switchable one through five defender. Um, I'm I'm immediately thinking uh, Dennis Rodman to be honest. Interesting, Dylan. Yeah, was was like Rodman a guy that got out and could like defend guards? I don't necessarily know how great he was against like point guards. I was thinking his teammates. I guess wouldn't have been like so so prominent, right? So the, you wouldn't get like the case where he's switching out and having to guard a guard, you know, ten times a game. So it's probably hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to try to pull up some like footage of him against the Utah Jazz because like they ran pick and roll all day. So if you're gonna have switching, it would be right mm. there. Um, unfortunately, he was not that good by the 98 season like he was coming off the bench for chicago in that championship run so uh maybe that's not the best example of his like peak switchability hmm. who, who did you say you're you're going with you said um pippen right i said pippen hmm. all right uh defend the rim you got one guy we're doing slam ball style you know one person attacking the rim and this guy's got to stop him my, my guy is hakeem i think he, he's He's got both a great body and and the physicality to defend. Um, he would be my pick. Is this where like um you you throw it right back and bring Bill Russell into the conversation? I, I love Bill Russell as like a Draymond actually, because um, that yeah. was one of those things he was good at was switching onto guards. Uh, and he had great floor speed. You know, he was very mobile. Uh, I'm fine with Hakeem here uh, or Kareem here. Um, I was actually considering jokingly tossing in Roy Hibbert as uh, as verticality. <laughs> yeah, maybe Yao Ming. <laughs> not Sean Bradley. Not probably not. <laughs> it's sort of interesting to see that 
Draymond included Bill Russell in his top five. Yeah, but his uh, nah, he he said something like uh, he he only considered guys who he've he's seen play. So like he didn't. I mean, he excluded players that he didn't grow up watching. I think that's fair. I mean, it's not like any of us are really throwing out a bunch of wild names. Like Sidney Moncrief was really yeah. good at defense, um, but I haven't watched enough of him to know if he could handle someone like a you know, mid-prime Jordan, where he had already put on the muscle, someone like a, a Kawhi, uh, where he could take him to that mid-post. Like, I know Moncrief was great at guarding guards, but, you know, going going much further back, uh, I know what is said, but I can't say with, you know, confidence and having watched people. Well, this is a weird way to start 2022, but now that we're into it, uh, we got some some 2022 previews. Let's move on to 2022. Like, it can't be worse than last year, right? I mean, there are only like 100 players out at the moment. I don't know how much I should say because my work is still struggling through this situation and I left early to come record this pod, uh, as is my Monday tradition. But uh, somehow... You got a few stuff in the protocols? Well, all of the system access and permissions for close to 600 part-time associates got erased over the weekend. Um, So we got like 3,000 people, but only like 1,500 in ops and 600 of them lost all of their ability to do any work today. So 2022 can be worse than 2021. (laughs) So you're really feeling um, Adam Silver's pain at the moment. Yeah. Just just like half half of your your league is out. Yeah, basically. And then you've done a Kyrie and just walked out. Sorry, guys, I'm out. (laughs) Good luck with that, though. To be fair, I also was the first person in the door and ran point on this issue from 6.30 a.m. to to when I left at 3. So I I, I did my time. But um, listening to, gosh, what was it? Uh, The Athletic Show. One of the things they brought up was uh, over the past, I want to say it was 23 years, 21 teams with a sub-500 record at the New Year's point would go on to win a playoff series. So, yeah, which I I kind of wonder if they used last season in there where we had that late start Mm because that that can introduce a lot of variance. Yeah, it's a little bit sneaky. It it might be a little bit sneaky. But I was wondering, which team do you guys think will improve the most? Uh, And if any, do you think any of these teams have a chance, maybe the team's hanging out around 500 or below 500, to get in there and win a playoff series? There's only really sort of one that you would consider to have a high upside and that's 19 and 19 LA Lakers like I guess, I guess the Mavs maybe too with like the right matchup like the Mavs have been pretty decent when they've been had their guys together um and and Luca is is an absolute beast in the playoffs and like he would have you know they they would have gone to the second round if they didn't have to come up against the Clippers every time and you know even then they took them to seven games um so the Mavs could be another option I think the most likely would be the Lakers is just like if they can stop playing guys that suck, get some of the, the guys that they actually want to play healthy and in the game. Um, Anthony Davis can play better and, and LeBron can just, you know, maybe show that he's still that top tier of player. Then they've got to be the best, the the most likely, I think. I also think that the Lakers would be a, a right choice. They would be my pick for the team with the most improvement in 2022. But I also think that I don't think we have seen the full potential of Boston Celtics yet. Mm. Um, they're below 500, and, and I don't think they will be below 500 when the season ends. Um, so, so that's a team who I, I would think would improve a lot this uh, this year. Yeah, 
They're like um really underperforming their point differential as well. So based on their point differential, they're actually um they're positive, which means they should be above five hundred or about five hundred. And they're they're eleventh in the league in point differential, so they're they're better than quite a few teams that are above them, but they're just losing losing close games. Um which is, you know, maybe some one some part their fault and some part some luck. Um and so they're they're twenty fifth in the league in, in let's call it luck. Um, and uh, you know, performing or or underperforming your point differential, so they've already lost one and a half games more than what would be expected. So that's a good call as well. And there's some sort of data to back that up. So I know you love looking at those uh, those wins by less than three points, wins or losses. Like, because mm. in theory, hey, if it's decided by less than three points, it's anyone's games. It should go fifty fifty at that point, right? Give or take, you know, something. But like, if you have a bunch of them. Should be 50-50. Unless you have DeMar Rosen on your team. Yeah, then, <laughs> then he just hits game-winning threes, uh, which is yeah. And, and that, that just goes to show an example of why, like, I say that it's luck. is like DeMar DeRozan hits that shot, like, maybe, what, like 15, 20% of the time? And, and then he did it twice in a row. So that's, like, a 5% proposition. Um, and that's why I can say that, you know, like, sure, there's a lot of skill involved and, you know, a lot of um, you know, mental fortitude, but it's also a lot of luck. Like, he doesn't make that shot very often. Yeah, and the the Bulls are 3-2 and two in games decided by three points or less, uh, with those two wins coming against Washington and Indiana just recently. So, uh, but what, one of the things I've been looking into is the Indiana Pacers, the losers of that Bulls-Pacers game. Do you want to yep. guess their record? Uh, in points, games decided by three points or less. I'm, I'm going to guess it's terrible because I have the the cleaning the glass cleaning the glass stats in front of me, and they're last in the league. They've won about five games less than what their point differential would suggest. They're actually top ten in the league in point differential, and and they're thirteen and eighteen. So um, they they have played ten games that have been decided by three points or less. Yeah. How many do you think they've won? Um, with the two. Yeah, like two, three. Gentlemen, you are too high on the Pacers. <laughs> they have won one game. Wow, one game. Damn. And I, do, I don't know if that makes them my choice. They're certainly not my choice for under 500 that's going to win a playoff series. I think you guys hit that mm. spot on the head with Dallas. Um, you know, our, our friend of the pod, Jordan Ennis's favorite player, Dwight Powell, has been coming through big. Uh, he had like an 8-0 run by himself against... Oh, gosh, it wasn't against Sacramento. But it was against Portland in the other day that, like, hey, I'm just going to keep throwing it down, and we're going we're gonna to end this game in the third quarter. But, yeah, I think uh, Indiana is definitely my award for most disappointing to the first half of the season. Mm, yeah. And what, what's bad is, like, going back to, to um, Seth Partnell's book and sort of, um, you know, using analytics to make decisions is, like, do you think that they factored into account that they are – what what did you say? Like one and nine in yeah in close games. Like they're like okay, this isn't working. Let's blow it up. It's like well you you're like being unlucky and like you know luck has cost you like five wins. If they were five wins better, do you think they'd be blowing it up? They'd be pretty freaking pleased with themselves. I think five wins better puts them at nineteen and eighteen, and so maybe maybe not pleased, but definitely not in a we have to blow it up right now. I guess that would be. Uh, seventh place in the East. Yeah, right. And, and don't the Pacers feel like a seven seed? Like coming yeah, into really that, do. if you were to say like what's like a realistic, decent case scenario, wouldn't you think like seven seed? Yeah, that's yeah. about right with the injuries and absences. Mm. Yeah, so I, want, I wonder how like 
much that came into the decision making of you know they've they've decided to blow it up or, or to a degree you know they're they're looking to trade players they're looking to make some moves and and break up the score. I wonder how heavily they considered that they're the least lucky team in the in the league and you know they've lost ten close games. Do you think any of that might be? You know, they say like the the best players are the are the ones that can close, or the ones that mm. get done in crunch time. Like this year's yeah. that final moment is that just a drawback yeah. to having kind of a superstarless team that's a lot of B minus to B plus players? Yeah, that 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 could be a really good point. Is like especially when you get late into sort of like late like play calling, it's you know high pick and roll or ISO, and they don't really you know Malcolm Brogdon's a pretty good player. I think he's missed time as well. Yeah, but like he's not dynamic offensive creator out of pick and roll and who's, who's the best iso guy like you're gonna yeah, run up, probably, run up yeah, call a post up yeah like karis levert your seventh best player you're gonna call the make the play call for him whoa, whoa, whoa. if karis levert is your seventh best player you are a good team <laughs> yeah the, the, yeah the and, and they, they should be a good team like they've, they've got good depth of good players they just don't have um yeah, maybe they're losing these close games because they don't have a closer. They don't have a guy like Demar Derozan that's just gonna hoist the three and make it. Yeah, but they have been pretty injured. Uh, um, uh, T.J. Warren, Chris Duarte, Malcolm Brockton. Pretty sure T.J. McConnell as well have been missing a lot of time. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they've been lis- missing a lot of those um, like good players. So they're playing 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 some players that I'm sure like ninety percent of the NBA fan. I mean, it's not household names at all. Like Nate Hinton, Kellen Martin. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Brissett has been nice for them, though. I like his. I, yeah, I just like him. Sure. I mean, is he better or worse than Stanley Johnson, who's now starting for the Lakers, but was just completely out of the so. league? Yeah, maybe. It's it's. He's not like great, but I, I just like Brissett. I hope he can continue to develop. He's only twenty three. Yeah, he's a cool player. And I really yeah. want uh, T.J. McConnell to come back. And I want him to end up back on the 76ers. Like it just, it feels like he would solve their point guard needs and could be a nice homecoming. And just, he just feels like the right fit there. Like O'Shea Brissett, who you wouldn't imagine be a, being a guy who controlled the offense or anything. He's, he's running around with a 15% usage rate. Um, so that, that really testifies that Indiana really needs some more ball handlers. Mm. Sort of like an interesting phenomenon at the moment where, like to your point, Nate, actually Nico, to your point, you know, in the past years, I sort of prided myself on like a, a deep knowledge of, of players in the league where like on any given night, like you're, you're not going to catch me with, you know, here's this random, you know, 10th man coming out for the Cavs. Like uh, I, I know hundreds of NBA players, but like this season, man, when I like look at some of the box scores, I'm like... Man, even though I've never heard of this guy. Yeah. One of the things that I love is some of the guys that I have heard of um, keep bouncing around. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah. what team is Luke Cornett playing on right now? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, legitimately, um, what team is he playing on? Um, is he still on the Cavs? Nope. No. No, that was like yeah. two weeks ago that we talked about him, so his 10 days definitely up. Yeah, that 10 day is gone. Yeah. <laughs> no fucking is idea. He still, is, he, is he still on the roster? Yeah, uh, he's on a different roster now. He's signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, shit. It's, I mean, if you only can sign guys to 10 days and then maybe a second 10 day, like, they're going to start bouncing around. I mean, you had Isaiah Thomas do a couple of games in LA and then he popped out to uh, to Dallas. I 
I would pay money, which I don't currently pay money, but I would pay money to Basketball Reference if they had like a filter option to show me all of the guys on 10 days. And then that would be so much fun to do a top guy on 10 days segment. There's some good ones in between, I'm sure. Yeah, I saw um, uh, Quindary Witherspoon got picked up by someone or he, he was he was playing in a game. That sort of like made me think of, um, you remember that classic Hoops Temple segment of, is this guy an NBA player or a founding father? Oh yeah, yeah. he would have been a perfect yeah. name for that. Yeah, yeah. And just with like this flood of guys that we've never heard of, like I was really good at that because like I said, like I have a pretty deep knowledge of even like obscure players. Um, but at the moment, with all these guys that are like coming in that not even I know, that would be the perfect time. I say one of my favorites, uh, Kyle Guy. He'd been with Sacramento, and I actually didn't know why they got rid of him because he wasn't bad. Like, I mean, he was halfway decent. Uh, but yeah. he shows up in Miami and plays like 24 minutes, gets 17 points. Uh, and I just, anybody whose last name is like a pretty generic way to refer to a person, like Guy or person, like Chuck Persons, Love Chuck Persons, love Kyle Guy. I'm just like, I'm always in for those type of players. Yeah. Man. Yeah, Tears <laughs> man. Yeah. Right, man. He's sort of a he's sort of a Miami kind of player too, because he's like, you know, doesn't have very good size, um, so needs help, you know, being hidden on defense. And it's also like a pretty good shooter. And one thing about Miami is that they just like give their shooters a green light. Yeah. Like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, like they can shoot threes when they've got threes. It's sort of the same thing for Kyle Guy. Oh, he's from Indianapolis. He, he's basically Jim Fredette. Yeah. I, I'm so bad about knowing where players are from. Um, but, like, one of the things I know from coaching in Michigan is, like, those Indiana farm boys, like, they can shoot. He might be from one of the suburbs, but, like, they they can hit. Also, they have this, like, wonderful Nike training facility right north of Indianapolis um, with six or so gyms uh, that's, like, really just a beautiful place to play so I'm, I'm sure he was hooping there yeah have you seen um laban james is, it, is that what he calls himself the tiktok guy yeah i i've seen some of his stuff yeah but I, I mean here's the thing if you're gonna be playing on gravel or like you know kind of a dirt court you don't want to you're not practicing dribble moves you're not trying to like get that handle right you're just trying to make sure that it goes through the net that is smoothly as possible <laughs> yeah one of the um parks in my in my neighborhood growing up they had a basketball hoop but it was it was under grass so like you couldn't actually dribble to to get it so it was strictly threes in michigan we have a version of that game uh played in the snow and the ice uh mm -hmm. usually tackling is allowed um yeah it's kind of football meets basketball uh with gloves because your hands are so cold but you know 14 and under Nate used to go out and, and hoop in the uh, in the cold or maybe 15 and under because you hit 16 and you can then drive to a gym. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think it was um Jamal Crawford who said that like part of the reason his handle is so good is that like it would always be raining where he um where Ooh. he was. So he'd like put the ball on a plastic bag, which just like gave it, you know, like no, no friction. So you'd have to have a smooth handle. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's from Seattle. It rains there a ton. Yeah. Good. Then it was him. I knew it was from Seattle. But I was like, "Does Seattle rain? Isn't it like on the coast?" Oh yeah, Seattle is like raining two hundred and fifty days out of the out of the year. Yeah, I think I think it's the most raining city in the U.S. All right, perfect. Then, then my story definitely holds true. All right. Well, hey, we did. Uh, who we think will rise the most? Which team do you think is going to fall apart? And Dylan, you're not allowed to say the Bulls. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to say them anyway. I've got, I've got sort of a sad one. Like the, could this be the end of like the Cavaliers' happy story? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Yeah, why, why um, do you guys yeah, so do that? Losing Sexton early, Ricky Rubio going down recently. Um, you know that they're trading for Rondo to try to fix their point guard situation. Like that's yeah, not that's a good fair. sign. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, at least they have Kevin Love putting in work uh, again. So, like, that's good. But, yeah, I, I really think that Ricky Rubio was a big part of, like, how smooth the offense was. Mm. But, I mean, m- maybe we'll see Gar- uh, Garland step it up even more. I don't know. But I also yeah. have a uh, feeling that we'll see Cleveland fall a little, apart a little bit. Yeah. And Cleveland are this year's Knicks. Like, a lot of the reason that they're so good is that their opponents miss all their threes. Um, so if that tones down, plus the offense gets even worse. Like they they already suck on offense, but like if they're if they're relying on Rajon Rondo to create offense, like they're gonna be the worst offense in the league. And then you know maybe the defense comes down to earth a little bit, and they they can be a team that takes a big fall. Yeah, man, I wasn't prepared for you to go that way with Cleveland. It's just sad. My yeah, my choice was gonna be Memphis because I think just kind of based on our earlier conversation where we asked which team has the best chance to overperform and you guys said Dallas or the Lakers. Um, yeah, this is already overperforming for Memphis. Everyone thought Memphis was going to take a step back. I thought giving up, um, you know, big foul was going to be like, all right, we're going to pave the way for to give Tillman some more minutes, let him and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of rekindle all their, uh, their abilities, their MSU time. Um, and like, Hey, we're going to slow roll this, but uh, you know they're they're massively outperforming, and I want Memphis fans to enjoy this and be happy. And if your team gets knocked out in the first round, not uh, not to freak out because like, hey, th- this is great. You guys are ahead of schedule. You see, like Come a on. regular season regression for them as well, though, or just like you're not confident in their playoff ability. Well, they've, they've they've shown that they're pretty resilient. Like they've had major injuries and. Well, are yeah. they the fourth seed in the West still? They're the fourth yeah. seed in the West still, and I think they're going to hold on to that. But I think that says more about the teams behind them. Like Denver, I mean, Jokic is doing everything he can to take literally like a Y League or you know YMCA rec league group there. Uh, the Clippers, Paul George is out for at least a month, um, but according to Yahoo Fantasy, could be the rest of the season. They're not putting any timetable on it. Then there's the Lakers, whom, you know, Sure, AD will get healthy, but will LeBron stay healthy the whole time? Uh, you know, Dallas has been hit hard with the COVID bug. Minnesota, like, I don't really see someone catching Memphis, but I just don't see uh, Memphis necessarily winning that first round matchup against whoever's there. It probably makes that. It probably makes the five seed super valuable too, right? If we're saying like Memphis are of any of the the top four teams, like they're the by far the easiest one to beat. Yeah. Um. That. You know, we could see a real tight battle for the five seed where, yeah. you know, like we said, the Clippers at the moment are a half game out of five. The Lakers are one game out of five. Like those three teams there and, and Dallas are, are tied, um, are also 500. So a game out of five. So like those four teams, you know, we could see some like late season push to get that five seed because like going up against Utah, going up against Phoenix, going up against Golden State. Um, you know that's that's not a good proposition if you're trying to go deep, make a deep run as mm-hmm. as a lower seed. But if you can get Memphis in the first round, um, that that should be super valuable. Yeah, as much as Ja lights up LA every time he plays them, I'd still rather play Memphis 
than, than any, any of the other three. Yeah, you, you think Steph Curry's not going to light you up? Yeah. If, if those are your two options, Jar or Steph? Yeah. I mean, the, the top three in the West is, is, is tough to beat. Um, Dylan, now you mentioned the LA Clippers. I, I kind of feel like they could be a candidate to fall apart a little bit as well, with the PG and Kawhi being out. Mm. Depending like what condition PG is in when he's returning, that's a team I could see fall apart. They also have a lot of players that are maybe overperforming a little bit. And with no clear yeah. start at the moment, I could see them lose some games. I mean, didn't Eric Bledsoe just win a game for them? Yeah, I mean, we just beat the, the Nets who had Harden and Durant. Basically, all their, all their starters, well, we didn't have Batum, Paul George, Hardenstein, Kennard, um, Zubat, Saur, obviously Kawhi. Right. So, like, there, there are guys that can give you a performance like that. Like, Bledsoe had 27, and Mann and Jackson both had 19. We saw the, I think the win before that uh, against the Celtics. Morris had 23 and 10. So like there are guys that can put up numbers. It's just like, it's you're getting down to like a lot of dependent talent and yeah. without really, you know, um, to use a Danny LaRue term, the, the straw that stirs the drink is like, you've got a lot of decent players, but who's going to, you know, sort of power your offense. And I mean, BJ Boston's out. So, I mean, mm. he has really, oh, damn really struggling um but to make things back positive because i really want to walk the fine line between depression and uh, <laughs> happiness and that's As what 2022 we... is all about <laughs> yeah exactly you know trying to balance depression with with joy that's my new year's resolution uh nico before the season <laughs> you <laughs> i can't even <laughs> uh, but Nico, before the season, you called Miles Bridges being the breakout star of the year, basically. You were champagneing and campaigning for him to be top uh, top yeah. 50. Who's your breakout candidate for the second half or for you know this part of 2022? It depends what you mean a bit breakout. Uh, I mean, um, I have a few candidates. I, I don't think any of them will win the Rookie of the Year award. Um, but oh, I really sorry, like not, what I... Yeah. Sorry, I, I switched it on you. Uh, not from the outline. Um, just, just breakout candidates in general, not rookies. Okay, not rookies. Um, Are we... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll give you one since you put Nico on the spot. Um, how about the... Um, resurgence of James Harden. He's been fairly disappointing this year. If he can yeah. figure himself out, get his conditioning back, um, you know, prove why he was like two years ago the best offensive player in the world. He could be a good bit. I was also thinking, I had actually struggled um, like thinking about a breakout uh, player this season. I, there's so many variables at the moment, like uh, who is uh, who is keeping away from COVID and stuff like that. But I mean, a safe bet, I think, could be um, Russell Westbrook. As, as much uh, hate I've been spewing <laughs> recently on, on social media about Russell Westbrook, I think that he's always a good candidate for a breakout uh, player uh, in like the later parts of the season. Yeah, he does always have... The Lakers really need him, so... He does have those strong second halves. Yeah, that's all the Russell Westbrook um, trajectory, right? Is like starts off very bad and then comes on towards the end of the season and then is bad again in the playoffs. So like, and I mean, he's been like so bad. Like the dude's not even averaging 20 points. Like he's he's under 20 points per game. And so like, you've got to think that he's got to get better than that, right? Well, as Westbrook says, he's allowed to turn the ball over and miss shots. 
and he's doing that. Who, who told him that he was allowed to do that? I don't know if that's the best coaching. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm all for positive self-talk and self-affirmation. Like, you, you know, it's okay to make you, mistakes. Do you think Vogel's in the film room? Like, right, and Russ does a terrible pass. That's all right. Yeah. Bad shot, pull up mid-range. That's a low percentage shot. You keep <laughs> shooting. Do you think that's what Lakers film rooms are like? I yeah, did you guys see the compilation with the, all the Westbrook toenails from, from 2021? Man, there are so many bad ones. And it was, it was like an <laughs> eight or ten minute long video or something. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, and like everything uh, Westbrook is saying at the moment, like to the press and stuff, it is so bad. Like he's always saying stuff like what Dylan just said. He's just playing his game. It's okay to not be great all the time and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, it's okay to not be great all the time, but you got to be great yeah. some of the time. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have the old Westbrook back where it just doesn't say anything to the press. Like, can you be great some of the time, Westbrook? That'd be, that'd be good. Yeah. yeah. I've been trying to look around for someone because like last year or, or really during the offseason where you were calling Miles Bridges, you're like, yeah, look at those last 20 games. Dude went off. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Hamadou Diallo going off right now for the Pistons. Jalen Smith, really nice these couple of weeks for the Suns. Yeah. Yeah, Duncan Robinson hasn't gone off yet, but I feel like I feel like there's a good chance that he could have a strong second half of the year and I don't know. I don't have that one specific candidate. Maybe this is the year of Andrew Wiggins. I mean, there's a chance Wiggins makes the All-Star game, but like if you put Wiggins next to Clay and Curry, ooh, he's going to have unlimited spacing. It just I don't know, maybe maybe this is the year Wiggins pops off. I mean, Wiggins have been great so far. Uh, I also really like what uh, Gary Payton has been doing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's already like, kind of broken out. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, all right. Because you you did the work, and I forgot to update my proposed outline. Do you have a rookie that you think might uh, might really stand out the second half of the year? <laughs> so I really like what Miles McBride has been showing this past Ooh. few games for the New York Knicks. I think they might be working on getting rid of Kemba Walker. And that leaves a lot of room for Miles McBride to um, play some more minutes. So that, that's a guy I'm keeping my ass on. Actually, another two-way player. Rookie in Oklahoma, Aaron Wiggins. Yeah. he's He's been really good lately. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him uh, get a nice contract this offseason. Yeah. Mm. I think two-way guys get screwed by the contract structure because like yeah. they're restricted free agents, but their qualifying offer is a two-way. Yeah. Yeah. So like you like they can match any deal and you can't like try to beat them by just signing a qualifying offer because it's just another two-way. But yeah, he's he's been pretty awesome for them and they're relying on him. Like they he's he's started games for them. Yes. I I think his contract is like one year four fifty right now. I would love to see a list of how many starters there have been. Because when you're like, oh, he started games, like, yeah, so is half the league at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, God, can you imagine if you haven't started at this point? Yeah. We must, I haven't seen it, but like, this must be the record for like most players to have ever played in a season, right? Uh, Greg Monroe set the record. He was 541. Hmm. The previous okay. record was 540. The return of the moose. Oh. 
kind of crazy. There's like all these all these guys that like you you thought that you'd just like never see in the league again. A freaking freaking Greg Munro's. Um, yes, and they're just coming like out of nowhere. Yeah, like where's Greg Munro been? <laughs> like he's just been <laughs> chilling at home. He's just waiting. He's like, my time is gonna come. Yeah, staying in shape, putting up shots every day for the last three years. Like I- I'm pretty sure coming back around, the big man's gonna return. Yeah. Let's see here. Monroe was drafted in the 2010 NBA draft. So who are some of the other guys? Ah, uh, Evan Turner. Maybe, maybe we get Evan Turner back in the league? He's um he's coaching, isn't he? He's an assistant coach for the Celtics. Perfect. He can slide right in there. He's probably, <laughs> he probably runs a little yeah. bit in practice, you know? Yeah. Jason Kidd was making that joke. He's like, yeah, we're, we're trying to see if I'm um eligible to suit up tonight. Oh, my gosh. Ime Udoka, another one. And that's coaching. Let's see. Yeah, yep. These are a lot of names that uh, I don't particularly want on my team. <laughs> Ooh, Luke Babbitt. And it's, it's always fun to kind of go back and look at look at some of these drafts. Mm. Um, oh, it's could weird this be the, the return of the return of Larry Sanders? Man, that's not even wild to say. Like, remember when we were talking the other day about who are the guys in the big three? And we're like, Rashard Lewis. And it's like, man, okay, Rashard. Okay, that doesn't seem too crazy. He retired in 2014, but he could probably still still hit some jumpers. Yeah. You know what would be kind of funny? If uh, Luol Deng came back to the Lagos and actually played his uh, contract. Uh, there was, I just read an article. Uh, he's trying to get the Bulls to sign him to a, to a one day so he can retire <laughs> wow. as a yeah. member of the Bulls. Yeah. And I, I was like, man, at this point, the Bulls might have to actually play him on that one day. Be <laughs> like, okay, counter offer. It's a 10 day and you have to play. Yeah. You're the starter now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Who's a player that's been out of the league for a little bit that you most want to see return? Um, I mean, at this point, why not just bring back Jamal Crawford? He's like an all time favorite for me. I'm sure he, he's got something left in him. Just, um, I mean, I was pretty excited to see Joe Johnson back. That was pretty cool. He was like almost older than the youngest guy on the roster. No, I mean, um, like, like his twice NBA the age. career. Not yet, yeah, but like he was drafted 20, 20, uh, 2001, I think. So, so. Like, his his NBA career is older than some of the guys in the league. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. Let's see. His, uh, okay. They, no one actively on the or on the, the Celtics, but it's yeah. uh, definitely older than several in the rookie class. Right. Dylan, you got a guy you want to see pop back in? Um. Come on, there's, there's an easy one for you that I feel like, you know, just with your, oh, yeah. your personal fandom, get J.J. Redick back. Yeah, I don't think he wants to play, though. Like, he... he officially retired like he he's definitely better than like i don't know like a hundred guys that are playing at the moment what about like ray allen and and then we could see, <laughs> see like yeah. the uh like most trees you know the record with steph curry <laughs> yeah they could, they could like switch places and stuff yeah during, yeah. during the season yeah I was, I was gonna say that's a bit ridiculous like he's a little bit too old but joe johnson's like 40 yeah yeah if you just go you know 40 and under there's still a lot of like i mean rest in peace kobe but I don't even think it would be too crazy to see Kobe suit up if if he yeah. were still with us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I can't believe that he'd be that much worse than Isaiah Thomas. I, I mean, you just, the Jordan of it all, of like Jordan couldn't quite give it up. And so he kept making these ridiculous comebacks. Yeah. Did it have to be for the Lakers, though? Because, like, you know, that's one of the things he's got is being like a one team guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that, that would have been sweet. Like, honestly, if Dirk signed a 10 day, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. Just hmm. pop back out there. Maybe like some of the uh, B 
big free players like uh, Mario Chalmers and Amir Johnson. Chalmers signed. I did. Chalmers <laughs> is back. He's, he's playing <laughs> on Miami. Oh damn! Huh. I guess uh, I guess there aren't uh, like any limits then. I, I mean, Charles <laughs> Oakley is still playing in the big free league. Could we get him back on the Knicks? Oh my god, that would be great. All right. Well, enough uh, enough of the 10-day guys. You know, second-half previews. We did championships earlier during the season. You know, who we think is going to win it. Anything changed? Are you guys still both on the Nets bandwagon for uh, for going to be the winners? Or who's your finals picks? I think my pick is the Golden State Warriors right now. Ooh. Yeah. I, I've, uh, that's the team I've been watching most this season, uh, other than the Knicks. Just because I think they're so exciting, so so like every time I'm I'm tuning into the NBA app and like trying to find a game, I, I just have a hard time not picking the Warriors game. Yeah, yeah, like just as you said it, that's the team that I was sort of thinking. Like, there's no like clear standout, and like the Warriors have been awesome, and they're gonna get better once Clay's back. You would imagine, and you know the the their key guys have been there before, so it's pretty hard to like you know there's no clear standout. So that that's sort of a good call. I mean, Kyrie is about to play his first game. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Clear for action I, I lo- to play I love the Pacers. How, I, love, <laughs> I love how funny it is that it's like, okay, we're going to let Kyrie come back. Then it was like, oh shit, he's actually going to play and he's got COVID. Like, ah, oh, should have seen this coming. Yeah. The annoying thing with the Nets, I think, is that they are they have been losing some weird some weird games. Like even within full strength, like just like uh, we talked about the the LA Clippers. I mean, why are the Nets losing to LA Clippers? They have some games that are so weird. I've always been lukewarm on um, Milwaukee Bucks. I really think they have some cha- championship championship uh, swagger. I think they yeah. um, they look pretty damn strong, uh, and I think they're still the favorites in the East, in my opinion. Yeah, mm. I'm sticking with them as winning the championship. I think the people's champion Bobby Portis has risen. Uh, you know, their big three is almost undefeated. I think they've lost maybe two games with everyone there. Yeah, and honestly, I was watching the Nets play the 76ers the other day. I was kind of like. Like I, I knew the score. I knew I was watching the the day after. I was like, "How do you? How are you guys losing this? Like, did it beep off?" And I was like, "Oh no, Aldridge is actually not getting cooked." But like, they just they found a way to lose. And having yeah, watched yeah. him finish the game, I'm still not 100 percent sure. Same thing as like that that Clippers game that I mentioned. Like our best player was Marcus Morris. Like we had no Paul George, no Kawhi, and beat the Nets with Harden and Durant. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't trust the juju, the vibe, whatever's going on in Brooklyn. Um, but Nick Claxton, good candidate. He's not not mm. a bad choice there. Yeah. Um, kind of excited to see some of the lineups that they can put together, like now that DiVincenzo is coming back. Oh, dude, I was watching uh, Milwaukee and they tried a small ball lineup. Um, yeah. They were playing Middleton at the five. So it was Middleton, Matthews, DiVincenzo. Enzo, Connington, and um, gosh, was it? I think it was Holiday. Mm. Uh, but it was it was defensively switchable on almost everything. Yeah. Um, they were, you know, rim protection wasn't the best, but I, I looked up the numbers afterwards, and they they won by like fifteen points per hundred possessions. Yeah. And if you just like minutes. go to a similar lineup, but with Giannis at center, um, so you go like Holiday, Middleton, Giannis, and like Divincenzo and Covington, or and then maybe George Hill if you want more playmaking. Like, especially against Golden State, like, you need those sort of versatile lineups. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that one would be like killer. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to the Golden State Milwaukee finals at this point. That's that's what I'm calling it. And that's mm. that's where I'm yeah, sticking. I agree. Yeah. All in agreement. All right. Well then, gentlemen, any other uh, 2022 preview or uh, or hot takes? One one um, hot take that's not necessarily a 22 hot take, but a news hot take. The with the league still pushing the the mid season tournament. Oh yeah. Not uh, I don't like their um their proposal, but it is interesting that they think that they can keep the money the same. Yeah. So for listeners, would you care to break down that proposal? Um, I don't have it in front of me. You might not better than. Better than I do. The thing that I didn't like is just like there's a mid-season tournament, but you only take away four games from the total. So like the the way that I liked it is as you know I want to reduce the reduce the schedule. So it would be like there's a mid-season tournament, but there's only like I don't know 68 games or something. But they, they just didn't go far enough, so they want the tournament, but they're only taking the games back to 78. Yeah, I kind of figured that. I mean, I just I didn't have high hopes for them reducing the games. Uh, what I don't like is I don't like the prize. I mean. A million dollars is great for a lot of the the guys in the league, um, yeah. but I don't think I don't think it motivates like the the top talent. Yeah, no. do you think like Steph Curry is going out there and playing like as hard as he can to win the mid season tournament for no, just like one definitely. week's worth of pay? Isn't this like mo- most likely just going to be a way for teams to like assess talent? I, I mean. With teams having to sign so many obscure players, uh, players that they may not know is in shape and stuff like that, uh, I mean, the tournament could be a great way to like test out some of the G League players you have, test out some of the guys you might or might not sign. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? See, the trouble with but- that is that like they have to make so much money off of the tournament. Like they have, you know, they're like trying to sell it as like this is going to be this big spectacle. And if all it is is just like your G League players and your two-way guys and your end-of-the-bench guys, like no one's going to tune into that. I kind of think that they should just like go go all out. Like if you win the tournament, you are one, guaranteed in the playoffs. Like no matter where you come, you're the you're the eight seed at worst. And, and two, you just like get an extra home game or something. So like there's an actual incentive for like the team and the players. It's like you're you're guaranteed in the playoffs, so the lower end teams try, and you get an extra home game. So you play home, home, away, home, home, away, home in the first round or something. Then there's yeah. like a, a legitimate and like strong benefit for the players and the teams to put out a decent showing. Uh, as a fan, I just don't want to see like because at, at that idea of you know what are we just gonna make them the automatic at least fourth seed and then you might randomly have the knicks be a four seed and mm. then you you force the the bucks uh nets into the the two three and it just i don't know i i hate i don't mess with seeding too much no you're just you're just locked in as a playoff team so like if you're the one seed you're still the one seed but if you're the 10 seed you're the eight seed and that's like but that's you your reward advantage for. Eh? No, you, you just, you're just a lock, and yeah, yeah, and and you get home court advantage no matter what, where you seed. Ah, oh, I'd be so unhappy if I was the one. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, well, man. that's that's what you get. You should have won the tournament, and then you then it wouldn't be an issue. Fair. I've always thought that you know a draft pick. Yeah, but players don't care about the draft picks. Like players would rather they didn't have draft picks because like that means like oh great now my team has more assets to like add to my contract and trade me, or I'm gonna have to compete with this first round pick next year for minutes like players would rather their teams didn't have draft picks but i feel like it, the top tier players would actually kind of get excited because like 
hey lebron you want to improve yeah. the lakers yeah that would like make a massive difference if like the the clippers the lakers the nets the bucks had like a first round pick that they could trade mm-hmm. and like let's let's say this pick is guaranteed to be the number 10 pick yeah or you just see it as the 10 but then like let the lottery odds so you you could theoretically yeah. be the one pick but you get you get the 10th best lottery odds or something yeah mm. like yeah it, i feel like you don't get like like in my mind this is like something that like the bulls would win you know like they just they just play super hard and you know come out on top they care about this because like they're they're not a, a perennial title favorite this is something for them to be proud of and i don't know if like a first round pick is something that like iota sunmu and javante green are, are playing hard to get well provided chicago doesn't lose to orlando then most people by the time they listen to this chicago will still be the number one seed so definitely a chance they could win this tournament yeah all right well any other news or notes guys no i'm just just still patiently waiting for um jerry cunningham to get called up from the g league one of these days as like the the replacements get replaced sooner or later all right um i don't have anything more to say i'm just gonna go back on my couch and enjoy my uh covid isolation well Best wishes that you feel better soon. You, you, you got COVID? Uh, my wife have it. Ah, unlucky. Wait, are you isolating from her? Like you've you've locked your wife in the in the bedroom or something? Nah, not really. I mean... Wait, no. <laughs> is the wine fridge in there with you or is the wine fridge locked in the bedroom with your wife? <laughs> no, we, we decided that... We decided that... Um, uh, we wouldn't be isolating from each other because that's really damn difficult with a... Yeah little girl you know yeah i was gonna say like are you full-time dad now like you're you're the only parent but no i have been i have been uh like primarily taking care of her but you know oh, man. that's okay i've i've tried to figure out like what i would do if either my wife or i got covid um so like, if i got covid i have to work from home but i i still go to work my wife is a realtor so she like can't show houses and it, like just completely wrecks yeah. her thing so yeah. i've kind of figured if I ever got it, I would self-isolate in our guest bedroom. Yeah. You, you you just sit up in the podcast room. We begin a daily Hoops Temple update. Oh my gosh. It'd be like the daily ding, <laughs> but it would just be me. Yeah. And it'd be yeah. like, so Three I watched parts. six games last night. And uh... <laughs> yeah, here's my thoughts on the, the um, Magic vs. Pacers game. Yeah, I know a lot of people didn't watch New Orleans, Washington, but uh, <laughs> really, you know, for a twenty-point blowout, it was it was decent. I'm yeah. just going to give you my key takeaways over the next hour or so. Thirty-minute reviews of every game. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be dark times. No, the the TikToks would be popping off. And they yeah. would be down here doing TikTok dances. Can you do a thirty-minute TikTok video? Uh three minute max. Thank thankfully, the world doesn't need. <laughs> 60 minutes you, you, you just set up a playlist of, of 10 videos <laughs> the viewership yeah. just just declines yeah. oh my gosh well thank you guys for listening uh we hope you enjoy this uh like and follow us on facebook on twitter on tiktok also uh several of us have been doing some writing for a site called hoop social go check them out uh, we've also got friends that are doing podcasts with us on the Hoop Social podcast feed. If you want to hear some more from us, go go check that out. Thank you.